Are you all in for Jesus? If not, what keeps you and keeps us from fully trusting God and obeying Him? We're going to address this today with Pastor Kelly Lorkey, who, along with his wife, Esther, began the Cure Church. We'll find out more about that ministry in his recent book, Burn Your Ships, an unapologetic manual for leaving empty religion for a life marked by revival. And good morning, Kelly. Good morning. How are you guys? Fantastic. And what a great title. Mm-hmm. You're all in. Burn the ships. You, you're committed. How did, uh, how did this come about? What was the, you know, the inspiration for this book for you? Well, the inspiration of the book, one, is that's really kind of been my walk with God. When I got, became a Christian as a young man, I was 19 years old. I did not grow up in the church. I had no religious background. I was actually from Los Angeles, and I was a punk rocker in the 80s, crazy kid on the streets, selling drugs, breaking into houses, mm. lived on my own since I was 15, and mm. somebody shared the gospel with me. And I said one prayer, and mm. Jesus radically touched me. One prayer in the garage, never smoked, never drank, never got high again, and I felt like I won the lottery. God radically touched my life, and I took this perspective, how could I give the world— or the enemy, my life so much, and put myself in such danger, and give God so little. Mm. I was just, you know, the Bible says, forgive of much, love much. That's, so it's always been kind of my heart of an all-in guy, even when I wasn't a Christian. But one thing that's really been my passion now is the way Christianity is today. We're looking at the world, and we're seeing on our TVs and social media, especially in America, it's falling apart. Mm-hmm. We're seeing suicide, fentanyl. We're seeing kids that don't even know, you know, their identity anymore. And mm-hmm. most of us Christians, and I'm not going to sit there and say all of us, but a lot of Christians, we just sit there and yell at our TVs. But really, Jesus is the answer. Our theology mm-hmm. that we believe there's a heaven, there's a hell. Jesus is coming back. It's time that we let our theology change our lifestyle, and. You know, the whole the whole concept is obviously from the story of Cortez coming to Latin America mm-hmm. and the discovery where his men were out on the sea for many months. They finally discover the land. They hit the land. They're hungry. They're tired. They run in for supplies, and he gets a torch, yeah. and he burns his ships and says, we're all in. Mm-hmm. There's no return. The only way is victory, and uh, that and Christianity should be that way. We should be passionate about what Jesus did for us. Yeah, absolutely, because Cortez didn't know how the outcome was going to be. He didn't have God. You know, I mean, we rely on God to guide us through everything. He, he didn't have that kind of reassurance. So that's an excellent analogy. Absolutely. And I think we, I think we preached the gospel probably quite some time, at least for 30 years, more of a God, what can he do for us instead of what he can do through us. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that just a little bit, about what he can do through us. Maybe we just don't understand that he can work mightily through us, and we really haven't tested that because we've got feet in both worlds. So how do we move forward? Well, obviously, our salvation, uh, Christianity, we—and again, I'm a pastor, so— Everything comes out to me in a preachy way, so forgive me for getting preachy on us. But we literally have, um, like I said, we've, we've preached this message that it's really just salting the salt when Jesus told us to salt the earth. 
And the only Jesus this world's going to see is the one that lives inside of you and me. Barna Research does a lot of the Christian statistics, and there mm-hmm. was a one a while ago that 95% of all Christians have never led anyone to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that was Jesus' great commission. That is literally, there's really, everything falls under two things, the great command, the great commission, love the Lord God with all your heart, your mind and soul, and your neighbors yourself, and go into all the world and preach the gospel. And I think we have done a disservice to the world. The Church is the pillar of truth. We've done a disservice by just maintaining people in our buildings. You know, in my church, the Cure Church, we have a thing. Don't tell people about our church. Tell them about Jesus. You pray with them, and they'll want to come. You know, do we believe that unless a man be born again, he will not see the kingdom of God? So we we live in a time where, I don't know, we've turned Christianity into a bunch of titles, a bunch of ministries for us. The people will die and go to hell. I know that sounds dogmatic. I know that sounds something that people don't want to hear about. But Jesus spoke twice as much about that than he did heaven. He spoke more about that than anyone else in the Bible. That's what Christianity is about. We just had Christmas. A baby was born to die for our sins. Do we truly believe he's the only way? Mm -hmm. And the fruit of that would be, do I have unsaved family that I haven't witnessed to? I haven't prayed for and talked to. Do I work with somebody eight to ten hours a day? They know I go to church. But have I ever shared the gospel with them? We live in a time where young people get—we we want to answer the call of God, go on a missions trip to China, but yet we won't even witness to anybody at a Chinese buffet. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we won't even share the gospel to someone mm. right across the street from us. Real quick, I, I, I don't want to be negative, but I do blame us pastors for not challenging people out of fear of loss. And we have to get beyond that because we know that there's a warfare going on. And do we believe Jesus is the true cure for racism, for murder, for hate, for abortion? Mm. For Do we believe he's a true answer? And if we do, we're going to tell somebody. Okay, so we know that how important it is to share the gospel to others. We'll listen to a sermon on Sunday morning and you know, we're walking out the door. We are on fire. We are ready to go. And then the next day, we're at the Chinese buffet, and yeah. we see somebody we need to talk to, and we are paralyzed with fear. We doubt it. We It's like, should I? I don't want this. With all the, all the questions, all the fear, all the, the issues pop up in our head, how do we, in practical application, kick that to the curb? I'm so glad you asked me that question, because that, that's exactly what happened to me when I became a Christian. 1987, I became a Christian, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. We forget, in Acts 1-8, Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit was never meant to be a theological debate about do I speak in tongues or I don't speak in tongues. No, the Holy Spirit was to give us boldness and power to witness. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I'll, I'll tell young men I disciple, I'll tell them, 
the devil is not telling you to tell that person I love them. That's God telling you. Yes. And Mark 13, Jesus even says at that very hour, don't even premeditate what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you those very words. I walked into a 7-Eleven convenience store in California after I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember this true story. This is 1987, and it's a hot, it's a hot day. I went to go get a soda, and I felt and it's packed out, and I felt my heart just pounding like a fire shot up in my bones. Mm. Tell these people I love them. Tell my love, and I'm scared, just like you said. I'm a new convert. I don't even know what to say, but I could not deny something was inside of me, and I didn't want to open my mouth, and it just came out. Listen up, everybody. Jesus loves you. He wanted me to tell you that. And now, when you say, listen up, everybody, write it in southeast Los Angeles, yep. they think we're getting robbed. <laughs> yep. That's the I first got thing. so scared, I put my soda down, <laughs> and I literally walked out, and I got in my, got in my car and left. <laughs> and I, and I, and I, remember, I, I remember the leader in my life said, hey, man, you're, you're changing. The Holy Spirit's changing you. It yeah. does start with prayer. Change your prayers. We, we pray to God, give me this car. Give me this home. Give me this job. Give me this guy. Give me this girl. And there's nothing wrong with laying a request to God, but why don't we say, God, use my life today. If you bring somebody to me, I will tell them about you. Mm. Lord, mm-hmm. use me as a vessel today. Mm. Use me. I mean, change our prayers. Because do you ever think about the, the God of American Christians? All we do is tell them what we want. And he looks down and says, like, who's serving who? You don't do nothing I tell you to do. Good point. We have. And I don't don't mean to be so harsh, but here's my prayer. On this interview, somebody's listening in their car, more than likely. I pray when you pull over to the gas station, you're looking over that gas pump. How hard is it to say, hey, how you doing today? Can I pray with you? You know Jesus loves you. If they get mad, who cares? They're not mad at you. They're mad at the, the message. Yeah. They might say, you know what? I need Christ. I'm going through something. And that's how we change this world. Amen. You also talk about some barriers to discipleship or some misconceptions about discipleship. And yes. that's part of the Great Commission, too, making disciples. Absolutely. Well, number one, uh, the, the call to discipleship is 72 times in the Gospels. The word Christian is really only in the Bible two times, and it's debatable that they're almost making fun of them. They first called them Christians in Antioch. King Agrippa in Acts 26 says, Paul, you almost persuade me to be a Christian, a little Jesus. And, uh, but discipleship's everywhere, mm-hmm. and that was the command. And one of the misconceptions about discipleship is that my faith and my discipleship's only on Sunday. Mm. It's only a compartment. But like I said, if we are the light of the world, Jesus said that. No, it's at my high school. It's at, it's at my family dinner with my unsaved family. Mm. My, my, my Christianity has to go out on Monday. It has to go with me on my job. It's, it's not in just little compartments of a, a class. And, and mm. the other thing about discipleship is this is kind of hard for a democracy nation we don't write the rules. Jesus does. Yes. We forget, pick up your cross, deny yourself, then come follow me, and you can be my disciple. Self-denial and doing God's will. And um, 
And then the other misconception is that only some are called. No, we're all called. If you come in my name, go share the gospel to everyone, he says. It's pastor's job is to disciple people to fulfill their purpose and destiny, not for have them watch us fulfill ours. The mm-hmm. fact that we're on this radio show or Moody uh, Ministries is because somebody imparted throughout the centuries, the last 2,000 years, they've shared and passed it on to the next generation. Yes. Your energy Mm -hmm. and your determination is infectious. Mm -hmm. How do we keep from losing that? How do you keep from losing it? You know, we we go out, we step out, we're doing this, and and we're on fire for it, and then, you know, sure enough, something's going to disappoint us or— we're going we're gonna to get hit, you know, from the sidelines somehow. How do we keep the fire, the edge, the, the radical approach? How do we keep that going? That's a great question. Uh, I, I know I can sound, like you said, zealous and on fire, and I can't tell you that every day I wake up. I've been pastoring for 30 years in Kansas City. I've been married for 35 years. I would be lying to you in 30 years every day I woke up and felt like pastoring or I felt like witnessing that just live by faith. There comes a point like, hey, my spiritual muscle, I don't do by my feelings. I do by faith. As a matter of fact, when I do feel dry and I do feel empty, those are the times that I want to intentionally go out of my way to witness to somebody, to share. As a pastor, I believe, and I hope there's pastors listening, you should be the number one soul winner in your church, the number one. I have planted 15 churches out of my church. Almost every single pastor got saved in my church or somebody I witnessed to, Mm. and now they're pastoring. Oh, wow. God. When I go out as a pastor, discipleship is not something you teach. Even my book may be about discipleship, but it's really just a book about discipleship. Discipleship is letting somebody be a part of your walk with God and see your life. Mm-hmm. So 1 Corinthians uh, 10, verse 33 says, Paul says, I'll become all things to all people. I won't think just of myself. I'll do anything that somebody might get saved. The very next verse is chapter 11, verse 1, but if you read the original context, that is, out, that is supposed to be verse 34. Even in your King James Bible, you'll see it's separate. And you know what the next verse is? And you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm. That word imitate is the word meti, which means carbon copy. Mm. Somebody needs to see what's being preached lived out. We can't just teach about it. Someone's got to I didn't know how to pray when I got saved. And I remember the man who led me to the Lord. I go, I don't know how to pray. And he goes, just kneel down next to me. Listen to me. I didn't know how to witness. He goes, just come with me. Watch me. Mm. How, how amazing is that? Just to let, And I was a dirty old punk rocker that got saved. He had no idea that God was going to use my life, fill up three passports, preaching the gospel around the world. I'm just a dirty old guy from the streets. But... By faith, he poured his life into me. He opened up his life. Discipleship is opening up your walk with God and sharing it with somebody else. More is caught than taught. Yeah, love this. 
That's awesome. Okay, so how do we get a hold of the book, and how do we get more resources and so forth to help us to be stronger and to just step out and be disciplers and, and go out and do what God says to do? Well, thank you for uh, you know encouraging people to get my book. You can go to kellylorkey.com or burn your ship's books. It's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, websites, all the typical things, or you can go to my social medias. But, and again, my book will be a tool. It will inspire you because I have a passion to get the law saved. And I, my second passion is get the saved to go get the law saved. Yes. To change their perspective. That's all I want to live in my life is mm. challenge Christians to make a difference. But the number one resource is your relationship with God. That is it. Jesus really is the answer. And I'm telling you and your listeners, the most funnest stories in the world is when God uses you to make an impact in someone's life. Yeah. When you walk into a place that God led you to, and it may be scary, it may be bizarre, it may not make sense. I have so many bizarre stories of walking into a bar with God telling me, just go in there, and I just witness to somebody, or wherever I'm at, and, yep. and they get saved. I just love it. I love it. And that mm. that's a story. I love to share, but I tell young men and women, go make your story. Make your Book of Acts moment that we can hear about and inspire somebody else. Thank you. Thank you Thank so you very guys. much for, for your life. Thank you for your willing to say yes when God says go. And thanks for, uh, thanks for spending some time with us today, Pastor. That's I'm, awesome. I'm honored that you guys invited me. You guys have a blessed, blessed time and share the gospel with somebody.